It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Better Faster Podcast. We're back. This is the quarantine episode. And, and for those of you who, who love my political commentary, the only thing I'm going to say is this whole pandemic has got me aging like a president and we're all socialists now. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Talk about some craziness um, going on, man. Uh, uh, definitely new, uh, some new stuff for us, new stuff for everybody, new stuff around the clinic, trying to trying to figure out how to balance everything, man. It's been a, it's definitely been a once in a lifetime kind of thing. Uh, absolutely, man. I think, you know, as, as, each day goes along. There's there's a couple things we can all identify with is that we were not prepared for this thing, and, and honestly, I don't think anybody has a definitive clue what's going on with this much change as we're seeing from all aspects from day to day. Yeah, if we think about today, just to, I guess to date this episode today, it's April second, and we're gonna hopefully release this on the same day. Right now, recording this earlier in the day, um, but yeah. So thus far. Um, a lot of states, I think it's like 39 states are stay at home. Um, we, us included, at, uh, us included uh, kind of, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's, okay. there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, variants in that. Um, I know the city of Columbia and the city of Charleston, some other places in South Carolina have their own ordinances. The governor shut a lot of things down, but I know some other states are even more restricted. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's nuts, man, to see some, yeah. see what's going on right now. It really, it really is. And it's just been, you know, interesting and, and, and tough for us included just to kind of see what all our colleagues have been doing with, you know, some really tough decisions that have been having to be made about you know, what you're going to do with your clinics and what you can do with your employees. And so I, I, you know, been kind of keeping up with some things here and there um, on social media, not as much lately intentionally, because we'll probably talk about it later. I don't think that's probably the best thing for my mental health right now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I know that there's several clinics who are, who are staying open. There, there are some that are, are closed and, you know, then there are those like us who are kind of open, you know, we're still yeah. open, but taking a, a lot of precautions and, you know, have some policies in place. And uh, if you want to break that down a little bit about what we're doing specifically and, you know, I can talk about, you know, my thoughts behind some of the yeah. decision making as well. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, I can see all the different sides, right? I think, you know, the hardest part of, you know, when you have a, a, any kind of business and you have em- employees or, or individuals that rely on you for their livelihood, right? You're trying to do right by them as best you can. So obviously, you know, our patients uh, are, are a top priority and we're trying to make sure that we have, we want to make sure with their safety and their health and wellness is at the forefront of the decisions that we're making. But we also got to think about the, you know, 
15 people or whatever it is uh, that, you know, we also are, are trying to make sure that they can still put food on the table for their families or they can still pay their mortgage that they need to. And so there's, uh, there's a lot that goes into these decisions. And so when we were kind of approaching this, we were trying to look at it from all angles too. Obviously we want to make sure that we have the safest work environment possible and to do our part to help, um, you know, mitigate some of what's going on if we can, but then um, also thinking about how do we, you know, maintain enough of a semblance of operation to still be able to pay all of our people and be able to keep everyone employed and, and keep their benefits going and doing all those different things. And it is a delicate balance. And I, I'd be lying if I said that, that I think there is a right way or a perfect way to do all of this. And so what we've tried to do is mitigate as much risk as possible um, while still trying to, to have some form or semblance of operation. So um, some things that we've done. Um, I guess over the course of the sequence, just to kind of get fill people in for us is, uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, making sure we identify the highest at risk patients um, based on age or other underlying comorbidities or immunodeficiencies to ensure that we're not exposing them unnecessarily to risk. And so that was our kind of step number one very, very early on, right, is making sure that those individuals, we weren't necessarily having them come in, right. And uh, and over the course, our, our policy has just evolved and gotten more stringent as we've been going on. So we have um, really reduced, you know, almost all inpatient type contact uh, in-house. We're not officially closed to in-house stuff, but we're just making sure that the, the people that are coming in are the people that really actually do need hands-on type stuff. They're post-op type patients, um, things where, you know, if they don't come in, they will be worse off from it. Um, and, and so trying to, to identify who those patients are and, and the ones that we can afford to push back, we're pushing back. The ones that we can afford to do more e-visit type stuff, we're trying to do e-visits with. So um, we're, we're uh, trying to take it as a, uh, you know, and try to be as reasonable as possible in making some of these decisions. And then uh, also implementing things like uh, questionnaires that people have to fill out when they come in and, and even, uh, you know, getting out the, the temperature uh, or the thermometer to be able to check uh, temperatures to, uh, you know, having them, uh, you know, fill out their, their questionnaire and, and how well are they adhering to social distancing? How, what's their travel been like? Um, what's their family's travel been like? Um, and so trying to do the best we can to mitigate things while still looking out for our employees' well-being. So that way we can continue to, you know, be, be here for the community and be able to be here for a long time. Absolutely, man. That was, that was a good way to sum it up too. You know, I, I you know, we, we obviously have to respect this virus. This thing is deadly. It's yeah, causing sure. devastation all around the yeah. world. Um, and we got to be open to our patients about, you know, what the risks are, you know, but what we are trying to do, what we are doing to protect y'all and protect ourselves as well as protect our staff. But we also got to protect the family as well. You know, we yeah. talk about it all year long. Our, our employees are our family and we've got to do what we can to protect them, um, make sure they can, you know, still feed their families, make sure they can still, you know, you know keep their roots on their head and all kinds of stuff like that as well too. And um, the questionnaire, we just started implementing that this week. Yeah, That's been yeah. a good thing. That's been a really nice tool to, to screen out some people. There's been several we have turned yeah. away because of travel plans, things like that. And if anybody wants that, we've got that on a, a PDF document and a job yeah. form. Just just shoot us a message. We'll be happy to send that to y'all so y'all can use that for your clinics as well too. But, um, man, that, that's been a, been a good tool. And, um, you know, anecdotally, you know, I, I think about a patient I had on, on Monday. So this was um, – a person who had a distal radius fracture RF. And um, we initially did a telehealth e-visit and got this person started on some things, but 
there's no doubt in my mind that if this person does not come in and I can't, you know, actually, you know, get this person in person, get some hands on this thing, get this thing moving, this person could be screwed. So, you know, people like that, people like those post ops, those fresh post ops, especially. We've even had a couple people that were considering going to the emergency room for a really acute ortho injury that, you know, came in here as well too. You know, those are absolutely the people that we still need to be serving. And mm -hmm. that really is, no matter what your opinion is, you know, that is offloading some of those physicians' offices and some of the ERs and that kind of thing too. So it's something to think about as well. Yeah, and I think the the important thing to note here too is like if you think, I'm thinking about my case, I was like, I'm probably seeing, you know, at, at most maybe a couple people in person a day, um, actually in person, if that. You know, on some days I'm not, I haven't had anybody in person because I was able to move the people from that day to e-visits or push them back into the future, push them, you know, make sure their HEP is updated enough that I can extend them out too. So it's this is something where we really are trying to limit the in-person stuff. But like you mentioned, there are instances where um, you know we really feel like we would almost be like, if that person doesn't receive care the negative implications from that are uh, are significant and so we we're trying to evaluate each person case by case rather than a blanket we're open or we're closed um, and then of course you know within the clinic we're trying to do our best from uh, adhering to some of these other regulations so um, we're fortunate enough to have a very very large space and there are four of us as clinicians here so we're spaced out significantly within the clinic so patients do not necessarily have to interact with anyone other than their therapist that they're interacting with of course the you know from a cleaning perspective we try to be as as stringent as possible about that anyway but um it, you know efforts are are even more ramped up i would say um from from adding you know our ancillary staff is helping with that too and we're trying our best to even if a, you know, a therapist touches something that's getting cleaned up i mean we are doing everything we can from that regard too which um you know you know is something that we we want to make sure that we're continuing on in the future um, I think those questionnaires, like you mentioned, those are new, but, you know, we ask about their adherence to a lot of these other regulations that people are putting in place. And if somebody tells me that they have not been social distancing um, to what we would consider a sufficient level, then we're not going to see that person at the clinic. We're not going to have them in here. Um, we're having people wait in their cars until it's time for their appointment and not bring other people to with them to their appointments. We're trying to, to do this in the best way that we can and know is it's not a perfect system, right? It, and it, I don't know if there is a perfect system, but for us, um, we're trying to, to do right by everybody involved in this, our patients and our employees um, and our own families and, and trying to figure out how we can to, you know, at least pay the bills uh, while we ride this thing out. So that way we can get back to uh, life as we know it one day <laughs> yeah one day yeah and another thing you got to keep in mind too is you know the goal of this thing is is not to get rid of the virus it's to flatten the curve right so the area under the curve remains the same you got to keep in mind this virus is going to be with us for a long time it's going to be with us for the rest of the year in some form or fashion so you know if you are at home uh if your clinic is closed this might be a good time to think about some policies that you can put into place to whenever we are allowed to open back up the country. Yeah, we're going to keep a lot of these policies that we have going on, um, you know, continued. So we're going to, that questionnaire is going to be around for a while, right? If people have told, you know, they write on there that, yeah, I went to New York earlier this week and I just got back, you know, probably not going to have that person in clinic, even if we're on the down, you know, downturn of this curve, you know, we're going to, some of these things are going to be uh, extended out for a longer period of time, just so we can continually protect each patient that comes in and our staff as best as we can. Right. Exactly. So, man, um, you want to kind of segue a little bit too. We, we touched on it a few times, but telehealth, right? So mm -hmm. South Carolina, we don't have a lot of access to telehealth. We can do it with TRICARE. There are a few payers that we don't take, like United Healthcare and Cigna that I believe are allowing it, but mm -hmm. you know, Medicare still isn't allowing PTs to do it. Uh, 
uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, our biggest private payer, isn't as well too. So, you know, I've done a few. Uh, you've done a few. What, yeah, what are your thoughts about it? How's it been? Yeah, so we've been, been doing more of those e-visits that Medicare has, has authorized and Blue Cross has, has allowed us to do some authorization for the e-visits, but full telehealth, unfortunately, in those instances is still, uh, you know, being uh, decided on. So unfortunately, we haven't been able to do that. But um, I've enjoyed the e-visits, man. I was fortunate enough when I, I was on my rotation that we always talked about on here was at Onward um, in Charlotte with, with Zach and Jordan. I actually got to do some telehealth type visits with Zach. He does a fair number of them. So getting to see them, you know, in person and getting to go through those. And, and, and you know, that was a, a very valuable experience leading into this. So I feel very confident in the ability to continually to provide care in that manner. And, and again, a lot of times the people that we're pushing into those roles or we're doing more of a virtual visit are ones where we aren't necessarily at this point needing to do a, a, a you know, manual type interventions or, or it's things where we've already seen them in person and we've kind of transitioned them into this e-visit type scenario. Um, so a lot of times it is, um, you know, updating their HEP. It's, uh, you know, checking in and a evaluating how much progress they're making with a lot of those, uh, you know, objective or functional signs that we're, we're using to measure progress and, and, and then helping them determine what they have available to be able to perform, you know, maybe more of a, a, a stringent HEP. So where I might have not given them a ton of ancillary stuff outside the clinic where I, because I was maybe seeing them once or twice a week in clinic. Now that I'm not seeing them in clinic, I've got to make that a little bit more extensive. So figuring out what kind of equipment they have and how can we best utilize it or getting, getting creative with that and so I found it to be a lot of fun, honestly, um, to to you know it, it, to have that opportunity to be creative. Uh, definitely can be a challenge too. Unfortunately, um, a lot of our patients seem to have you know either access to gym equipment in a home gym, or we've been able to figure out ways to load uh, load certain movements using household type items or or getting creative in that way. So um, I thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity to try that out. Um, I don't foresee it being something that I want to do a ton of going forward or I think that our business is I don't think our business is going to be entirely telehealth anytime soon or ever but um, I do think it's something that could be a cool ancillary service um, long term but uh, you know it, it makes me miss seeing those even when I talk to those people online miss seeing them in person I'm not gonna lie yeah, yeah and I've had some you know just uh, mixed reviews from patients um, it, I've had some people that just completely balk at the idea, want to consider it. Some are like, yeah, let's do it. You know, it's, for me, it's probably just as good as coming in. Uh, and some people are kind of right in the middle. You know, I definitely think telehealth is is good to have as an option for sure. And it will probably be part of our business to some degree, you know, coming out of this thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's it's not as good as being in person, right? If that was the case, we would just have a virtual clinic. You wouldn't see brick and mortars anymore, right? right. But, but nonetheless, um, you know, I know whenever I'm doing these visits, I'm putting everything I can into it, just like I do when a patient mm -hmm. comes into the door. And I also got to recognize that it is new to me and it's something I do need more reps with and need more practice to kind of figure out, work out all the details and things like that too. But um, right now, man, controlling what I can tr control. And if doing telehealth e-visits is, is all we can do for some people, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, man. And I, I'll be honest, something I feel like has really been beneficial, um, at least from a background and education standpoint, is having been a coach first and not having been had like the authorization or not being allowed to actually put hands on people really um you know having that background of where i've had you have to improve your cueing you have to be able to describe things well um and you you have to get creative of figuring out ways for them to do things themselves whether it be using something for them to apply to be able to do a joint mobilization themselves or a soft tissue mobilization themselves or or something else where you know i wasn't able i wasn't able to use my hands so yeah. um so having that background or if you feel like you struggle from a telehealth perspective because you're not able to to, to do that then i would say that's a perfect opportunity to 
to explore some continuing education stuff in that realm to to get better at the coaching and the cueing and that kind of stuff because um, uh, that's essentially what you're doing there is you're trying to give them the you know, you know the the right you know uh, description or, or or explain things effectively and then be able to evaluate what they're doing and give really efficient verbal or visual cues and it could because your hands are taken out of it so um, I think that the coaching background has helped leading into that um, and I think you'll see probably um, you know people who have that that background are going to feel a lot more comfortable with doing telehealth type visits mm-hmm. um, like you said some people were game to jump into it some of our patients were like no nah. we did have some people like i want i want to come in i don't care i want to come in because i know i need it um and so then it's about us evaluating you know the risk reverse reward there um, so it's been a challenge and it's going to keep being a challenge for uh at least through the rest of this month if not longer and and so we're just taking it day by day week by week and adjusting our policies based on what we think is best for for everyone involved yeah like i said as we speak it's april 2nd right you know two weeks down the road you know what we're doing right now. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, there's no telling, but you know, it is what it is right now. All right. So changing the subject a little bit. It's about training, right? Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's been training from home, posting their videos. You know, I've gotten tagged in like 20 push up videos. I've done zero push ups. Uh, yeah. but <laughs> those um, challenges killed you know, me, man. <laughs> thought, thoughts about that, man. What are your thoughts about training at home? You know, and, and maybe the, you know, what kind of stimulus should we be chasing and maybe, you know, how independent is that? How, you know, based on where your stress levels are, where your training levels are, that sort of thing. I'll kind of give you an idea about what mine are currently. Oh man, that's a, that's a big loaded multifaceted question there. <laughs> um, so first answer to that is you should be doing something at home. There's number one. <laughs> that's number one. If you're not able to go to a gym, uh, you know, we got to figure out a way for you to continue to do something at home, right? Um, what that is for me is still very individualized. And I love that people are putting out a ton of free content and they're putting out virtual workouts and that kind of stuff. But I still, you know, for me, I still think that there needs to be some level of individualization with it because a lot of these workouts are going to have very similar type movements because we're limited on equipment. And so if you go from not having performed a lot of push-ups, performing, you know, hundreds of push-ups in a week, or you go from not really running much in your training to now you don't have a choice but to run if you want to get a little sweat on and you increase your running volume significantly, we actually might be setting you up to actually uh, to, to have a little bit of maybe a, an injury or something occur. So for me, when I'm looking at it, it's still about determining what's appropriate for that individual and then utilizing what's available. And so that's where that creati- creativity comes in. And so for me, it's like, I, I think about, you know, still trying to be balanced and having, uh, you know, hitting every major movement pattern, finding ways to push, pull, squat, hinge, carry, do single leg type work, maybe some specific, um, you know, core trunk interventions too. Um, and then how do I load them efficiently uh, or, or, or safely with what they have? So that's using a kettlebell, that's using a backpack with a bunch of books in it. That's using a barbell if they have access to it. It's whatever I can find. Um, and then uh, designing, uh, you know, training programs are, are designing workouts that are appropriate for them. Um, for me, I've, I've kind of talked to people about things they can get on the cheap from uh, uh, from areas, uh, you know, from from local stores. So picking up a kettlebell from anywhere. Walmart's got kettlebells, um, you know, or picking up, uh, you know, a set of dumbbells. Or for us, we, we're lo- you know, loaning equipment. A lot of gyms are loaning their equipment to people, um, at, you know, in order to, to keep hopefully keep them as members and paying their membership is now turned into almost like an equipment rental. Um, and, and which I think is a great idea. So it's, it's figuring out what equipment can I get in their hands? Um, I try to get, if they can get a band, a band or two, you can do a lot of great banded variations. Um, even things like going and getting, um, you know, furniture sliders from, from a Lowe's or Home Depot or something. I mean, you can do a ton of stuff with sliders. You can, I mean, there's, uh, you know, so many different ways we can be creative, but, um, 
rule number one is we should be doing something. Two, I still think it needs to be relatively individualized to ensure that the volume of those, you know, things. If somebody hasn't done push-ups or burpees and now pretty much every home workout has push-ups or burpees in it because there's something they can do or somebody who hasn't really squatted much now is having to do a ton of squats at home, you know, I want to make sure that what I'm giving them is still appropriate based on what they can handle. Um, and then it's how can we get equipment to them if needed. And so uh, it's uh, been fun uh, and stressful a little bit to try to help coordinate this for, for individuals. But, um, you know, we've been fortunate enough that, you know, all of our clients that are working out from home, um, you know, have been fortunate enough to, to really stick with us and, and allow us to, to help them figure out what they can keep doing at home. And, and we're having some people that are making a lot of, making a lot of uh, you know, progress there. And I'm not going to say like you're going to be able to, to get significantly better going from training in a gym and then being at home with minimal equipment, but we can do a lot to maintain some things, right? Um, and, and getting touches on a lot of those different patterns and getting touches with load, if we can find ways to load it, are great ways to maintain a lot of the strength that, that, that people have uh, you know, been able to, to build up in the traditional gym setting. And then it gives us time to focus on maybe a little bit more of a, uh, a mobility type perspective. Maybe we're focusing a little more of that. Uh, maybe we're, we're giving a little bit of a break to maybe some chronic issues that maybe somebody has had. Now has a chance to, you know, it's almost a built-in deload for them in some ways. Um, and then also then uh, being able to use, you know, build up running volume appropriately for those who are interested in running or who like to be runners, uh, making sure that we're not doing too much too soon, but taking our time building that up as well. So um, it's been fun and, and we've been trying our best to keep people rolling, but uh, it's definitely a challenge, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, for me right now, one thing I'm considering in the back of my head is just stress levels. My stress levels right now are at all time high. And I know it's going to change the stuff still very raw and fresh right now, but I know, you know, each day, each week's looking better. You know, better, better for us. But, you know, I've been keeping the frequency high, right? I've been doing something pretty much every day, but the intensity has been very, very low for me. I'm keeping that around a five or a six. I know one, I've talked about this a few episodes before, but, you know, one lesson I learned when I had my daughter, I was pretty stressed, right? At that time, low sleep, that kind of thing, and I, and I ruptured my pec major, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've been down that injury road before, and, you know, this would be the worst time, right, to have some kind of nasty acute injury and wind up in the hospital or, you know, like an orthopedic surgery that you probably can't even get right now. So, um, you know, I'm just trying to break a sweat. Workouts are very damn John, you know, push, pull, squat, hinge, carry, you know, one or two kettlebells. I'm in and out in like 30 minutes, and, you know, it's definitely not what I typically do. Uh, you know, normally my, you know, my workouts are, you know, programmed and, you know, stringent, rigid, rigid, that kind of thing, you know, it's programmed into part of my day, but right now it's just, all right, make sure we block off some time to exercise, break a sweat, you know, maintain, and, and then just get it done for me. It's more about just maintaining mental health and that kind of thing. You're basically yeah. not getting deconditioned as far as that goes. Mm -hmm. um, but I yeah. think that's, you made a huge point there of evaluating stress levels though, because that, that is so, this goes back to the individualization of things, right? And sometimes those workouts that people are putting out are, can be great when, you know, in, in a lot of circumstances, but if you're someone, you know, a lot of times it's a client of mine that is, you know, worried about their job situation or is worried about monetary stuff or is worried about all these different things, man, it could be, like you said, something where we have to reduce intensity, almost do some like, uh, you know, even having like incorporating you know, breathing type stuff for people or going through it. Um, you know, that's something huge to evaluate for, um, you know, for each person on their own individual, individual level and, and not take for granted that, you know, that, you know, maybe I'm not as stressed, but that doesn't mean that they're not. So when I'm writing, when I'm, I have to try to, to make sure I can, I can see it from where they are and evaluate their situation and, and effectively give them something that's the right stimulus for them. And so a lot of ways I do that is by giving them things that are by feel. I'll say like three to six sets based on how you're feeling, or I want you to do anywhere from this weight to this weight, or I want you to start moderate, evaluate how you feel, and then add some weight 
if feeling good, like, and give them a lot of leeway to, to where, you know, they can evaluate how things are going and then adjust from there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, yeah, for me, for me right now, you know, my, my stress levels kind of mental state, I guess, is kind of taking priority over, you know, my, you know, my physical training right now, because, you know, I got to obviously, you know, be there for, you know, my employees, be there for my family and that sort of thing too, and kind of have a clear head as much as possible. So, you know, just a few things with that is you alluded to breathing and some of the mindfulness stuff, you know, mm-hmm. very, very clutch just gives you, if you've just wound up right now all day long, which I, which I have, you know, taking those like two minutes, five minutes just to work on some breathing and just focus on that, right. That, that has been really, really nice just to, just to calm down for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, making sure to, you know, control the things you can't control because right now, you know, there is a lot that is outside of our control. There's a lot of uncertainty. You know, we don't know where things are going to be tomorrow, much less a week from now with all this stuff. Um, another thing too, man, is, is I, my personally, you know, staying away from social media and, you know, minimizing the, the news stuff has been clutch, man. I know like last week I was like obsessed with it and I didn't, I don't think the media stuff has ever affected me negatively in a, in a way as much as it has now. Like I was in a really bad headspace and, you know, made a conscious decision to, you know, look at it once, you know, look at what policy changes are, the stuff that's going to affect us from like a business standpoint or like, you know, the laws with things closing. And after that, just leave it alone, man. Cause um, it's, it was using a lot of bandwidth in my head and um, you know, I've had a much better week just, just kind of minimizing that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I think all of those are, are, great points and and for me to kind of elaborate on each one talk about the mindfulness stuff too if you're a healthcare employee by the way headspace is free for the rest of the year for anybody that's healthcare employee and and for me i was never i wouldn't say i've ever been a huge um meditation mindfulness uh you know person um honestly it's a skill that that you have to kind of kind of learn on how to to help control that and so that's been a big focus of mine during this time is is uh, to uh, block out time to focus on that kind of stuff, just so that I can I can you know keep stress levels under control. Um, I think uh, a lot of it too for me from from more the media perspective is now because I'm not seeing a patient every hour um, and I'm not you know necessarily always running from one thing to the next. And I know a lot of people who are at home is it's a lot easier to flip onto Facebook. It's a lot easier to be on things where like normally I would be so distracted by uh, or I would be so much busier from other things I had to do. Um, so for, for me, what I've encouraged a lot of my clients to do and what I've tried to do myself is still try to write out and maintain as much of a semblance of a schedule as I can. So working out from you know, going to bed at this time, waking up at this time, you know, doing a, you know, work, a working out, even if it's at home or some uh, different style of training than t- the normal uh, at this, from this time to this time. And have my meals planned out and put into those same regular time intervals. And then uh, in between patients, because again, we, we don't necessarily have uh, patients all the time right now uh, with the way things are structured. Um, there, I might have EBRAs that's clustered into one morning out of the week. And then the next morning, I might not have much going on. Um, but having, you know, putting in there what I'm going to be working on and, and having almost blocked out time of, like you said, checking it once, you know, going in there, checking my messages, looking at, you know, it, it, what did the governor or the president or the mayor or anything say that, that is going to maybe affect our operation. But having some type of schedule has allowed me to keep a sense of normalcy, allow me to just keep myself a little more under control and, and keep my mind state, uh, you know, where, where I feel like it needs to be. Um, and then incorporating a little bit more of like the mindfulness and the, and the meditation and breathing stuff uh, has been important for me. But man, that schedule, if I don't keep some type of schedule like that, then, you know, it, uh, I feel lost. Yeah. So speaking of the schedule, you talk about meal prep. How, how's your nutrition been? Man, mine has been so shitty. Oh, Mine's been all time low. All-time the, the, the funny thing is like this, I look at this as like a perfect opportunity to like, 
nail things down. And like, I have no excuse. I've got time. I've got, I have to go grocery shop and bring everything home because I'm not going to be able to go out anywhere. And, and, and um, so I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to dial this in. And it is actually not gone as efficiently yeah. as I would have liked to. Um, and, and so that's, that's kind of been the goal of, of this week. And I've done better this week. Um, that was kind of my, my newfound goal. But um, for me, I think, again, it's the old, the adage we've said before, if you, if you uh, fair, fail to prepare, then you're, going to prepare to fail. Uh, and so for me, it's been about setting, actually going through and even on the weekend, I think what happened to me, I don't know about you, but I realized I had so much time during the week. I didn't feel like I had to do as much prep on the weekend I normally would sure. do. And then during the week, I was trying to keep up with like a bunch of other stuff and do some con ed and do all this. And then it didn't leave me the time I needed to meal prep. And so it was like, I, I, I totally just mismanaged that initially. Uh, this week's been much better. And a shout out to my amazing wife who's, she's working from home and like double duty, like making a bunch of meals. So shout out to Kelsey for, for basically keeping me fed this week. Um, and so she, uh, you know, but for me, this upcoming weekend, I'm going to try to basically do my full meal prep for next week as if it was, standard you know seeing 40 patients a week doing everything that was you know i'm, I'm gonna try to do that but man it was not like what i thought it was gonna yeah. be <laughs> so we the, kind of done it like almost like i don't know three steps three phases is so like you know step one is a few a handful of meals a week here it might be as little as like three you know we are trying to do what we can to support local businesses yep. right we're getting Shout out to Primal Gourmet, yeah, man. Bro, if you're bro. in this Carolina area, or go to go get something from Greg. It's still the best bro. food around, too. We've been trying to go at least a couple yeah, times a week. Primal Gourmet and a couple other local places, too. Really trying to support them because, man, you know, we think PT is going to be struggling right now. I mean, the only thing that would be worse being in the restaurant industry, right? So, you know, definitely do what we can to support our friends there and the people in our community. Um, but also, you know, being conscious not to overspend, right? Because, you know, you got to pay attention to your financial situation closely like you should, always should, but you know, even more so now. Um, you know, step two, we got uh, a, brunt, a bunch of frozen shit from Trader, Trader Joe's. I mean, mm-hmm. like just just loaded up the buggy, man. Freezers full of that kind of stuff. Kind of tapped into that. And then phase three, we got a decent can of uh, a decent stash of canned goods, right? Probably about like three or four weeks worth of stuff, j- just in case. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. But everything seems to be running smoothly. The truck drivers are still going. Truckers, man, truckers are running the country right oh, now. Oh yeah, dude. Shout out to the truckers, man. Um, and I, I think that's a good thing too. Is you know this this whole thing's like really kind of forces you to step back and you know, notice, take notice and appreciate the things that you took for granted before all this too. Yep. So, you know, definitely for sure. So, you know, you know, looking ahead, uh, coming out of this and we will, right. This thing is, is going to be temporary. We'll end one day. Um, what, what's, what's your prediction, man? What's the over under for us opening the country back up April 30th, right? That was the most recent. Oh, the man. I think that there, I think eventually everybody's got to go back to work. Right. I think the hard thing is determining at what point is that the right call? Cause it's everyone at first it was we got to flatten the curve we got to flatten the curve we got to flatten the curve um, and I think the, the measures being put in place are doing that to some degree um, and, and I think the more stringently people uh, adhere to some of those regulations uh, you know probably the better off we will be there in terms of trying to flatten it but like you mentioned though flattening the curve isn't necessarily eradicating things it's just extending it out and making sure that the, it's easing the any the burden on uh, you know those frontline healthcare providers at any one given time. And, and that was kind of the intent of it. So, you know, at some point we are going to be on the backside of that curve, right? And, and so for me, it's at, at what point along the backside of that curve do we, do, does the country, you know, quote, open back up? Um, Here's how I, you do it. You just say, it'll be in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's going to keep being, oh, two weeks. We're going to try another two weeks. Um, I think for me, man, the, um, I think what's going to probably happen is it will probably go in waves and it will probably go based on area and lower risk areas. And they'll probably try to segmentally open it back up a little bit because um, places like New York, um, New Orleans, Miami, you know, the, like they're, 
though they're in for a rough mm-hmm. month ahead right mm-hmm. and and it's going to be a long time probably before there's any semblance of normalcy there so i think for us here i wouldn't be surprised if in may we start seeing a lot of things open back up and and shift that way especially since it seems like the predictions for the the peak is here shortly like the end of this week into next week um at least in the state of south carolina um and so i wouldn't be surprised if around april 30th at least some kind of idea of a timeline might be thrown out there um but i wouldn't expect that we're we're until you know late summer until we're thinking we're not thinking about this as like the topic of every conversation yeah i i I would think that the testing is really going to be the key there right you're going to have to you know have massive testing so you can start to separate you know the people who are sick at risk you know that sort of thing and and the rest of the population um so i'd imagine that's probably going to play into it big time and you know hopefully by by may and you know also recognize that i'm kind of like you know Type A obsessed, always got to be working doing something. So I know that's kind of playing into yeah, yeah. My, my you know eagerness to you know get started again sooner or later. But you know, again, I, I got to respect the disease. It's it's horrible yeah. thing, and you know, seeing how it's going. But you know, with that said, you know, looking ahead, um, you know, I, I know I, I don't want to. I, I want to you know remain optimistic. You know, I do have faith that you know we're going to come out of this thing fine. Our, our business will, and our profession will, right? You know, but faith, the, the definition of that is belief without evidence. But I really do feel strongly that we're going to get there, and also got to recognize that is what it is. We're going to be in for some tough times, right? You know, there's those numbers are going to go up. Um, you know, as far as the cases and you know unemployment and that sort of thing too. So any of my colleagues out there listening, you know, if if there's anything that I can do to you know help you, you know, I am happy to lend a hand. You know, just you know, shoot me an email, you know, send us a message, that kind of thing. I don't know what that is yet, but, you know, whatever you need, just please shoot it our way. Um, I'll be happy to, no matter who you are, I'll be happy to do what I can because I want everybody to come out and sing okay. Yeah, man. Um, and it, like you mentioned, too, the this gives you a chance to sit back and, and kind of appreciate maybe some people that don't always get, um, you know, the the shout out and the, the appreciation that they deserve. Um, like you mentioned, people who are, you know, driving trucks that are there getting everything everywhere mm-hmm. people who are who are still working at the grocery store to allow the rest of us to be able to still have the same you know to be able to come and get food the frontline healthcare providers that are doing you know everything at the hospital from triaging to, to going through and treating these these individuals that are coming in it, it's um you know it's been cool to see some of the response to um, from like the communities trying to support these individuals um and, and i guess a big you know honestly from from us that are not in those positions it's just really a big thank you to 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 them for for a lot of them risking you know their own health and wellness to be able to to continue to to provide um, you know great care to the individuals or to make sure that we have what we need um as a population so uh, it definitely puts things into perspective um so i know some of our colleagues that are pts have also repurposed a little bit to be more on the triage and front lines mm-hmm. at some different hospitals around and they work in that hospital yeah. system and so a uh, big shout out to them for for you know being there and, and doing what they can and uh you know that's you know those those individuals don't always get the the love that they yeah. they deserve you know you're seeing some really cool stories about like the pts and the icu that are you know just like you'd expect right early mobilization getting these patients off those ventilators so they can use for the next person so yep. pts are playing a huge huge important yeah, role for sure with this, with this stuff so you know anyways with that said man this is our COVID episode so you know we we hope to you know give you guys a break from this topic um next yeah, week yeah. we'll be back with some some new content and if you guys got any particular topics that you want us to talk about hit us up and um you know as always we appreciate all the follows the reviews the you know social media shout outs and we'll be back next week
And one last thing, if you liked the episode, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a five-star review. That way we can reach more people. And if you have any questions, a topic that you want us to cover, or maybe a person that you think we should interview, hit us up on Instagram at betterfasterpodcast. You can also keep up with updates on our physical therapy and strength and conditioning businesses by giving us follows at VertexPT and at VertexStrength. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.